Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 22. You've got Chris and Brian. Um, today we're going to talk some about stretching AR pistols um, out to what is generally considered to be intermediate distances. So 100 to 300 meters. Um, we had an opportunity to, to do this not too long ago. Uh, we were working on a full Ipsic sized um, piece of steel. So 24 inches tall, 18 inches wide. Um, we had a very successful um, training event um, with this kind of setup, so we'll get into it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was a really good training night. Had a lot of successes, a lot of people making a lot of good hits, um, and a lot of work from practical positions. Um, you know, this, this was not a precision rifle night. Nobody was there running bipods, sandbags. Um, nobody was there running great big telescopes or anything like that. Uh, this was grab the rifle you think you would want if you got in a fight. Um, that fight being very nonspecific. Uh, recognizing also as civilians, you know, 50 to 300 yards is uh, into the world distances, not likely what you're going to encounter. Um, that's a bunch of cake eaters, uh, but our guys, I think, acquitted themselves incredibly well just the same. So, yeah. Um, with this group of guys, we had a number of guys running pistol ARs. So, uh, arm braces, shorter barrels, uh, 11 and a half inch. I don't know if we, do we have any 10 and a halfs? I know we had a number of guys running 11 and a half and maybe one 12 and a half. An 11 three. Okay. Um, and so we had a number of guys running pistols and then we had a number of guys running 16 inch carbines. Um, we had, uh, as far as like, you know, everybody, you know, how are you making hits at 300 yards? Well, we had one gentleman who was by far not the youngest guy in the group running iron sights um, and stroking that piece of steel big time. Um, we had probably half the group running dot optics, uh, non-magnified dot optics. Uh, we did have one gentleman um, running, and, and all those guys, again, able to make hits from 100 out through 300 pretty consistently. Uh, were there misses? Absolutely. But when we get into the positions we're shooting from, you know, and the fact that none of us are, you know, Navy SEALs or Green Berets or whatever, I think a miss or two here, there's probably not such a bad thing. Um, we had a couple guys running, or at least one guy running a dot optic in EOTech with a magnifier who the further back he got, the less he wanted the magnifier because it showed him how much he was wobbling. And curiously enough, just the confidence aspect um, of flipping that magnifier out of the way, not seeing how much that dot's moving and just taking your time and settling in in good positions um, allowed him to make hits out of 250 and 300 yards, back to the dot, um, no, no magnification necessary. Uh, I will say that the guys with some magnification that were used to it, accustomed to it, practiced with it, etc., um, were probably the most successful out of the group. Is that a combination of maybe better trained in body position, um, or is that a conversation around optics and some magnification, or some combination of both? Um, we'll maybe get into that a little more later, but we did have uh, at least two guys running low power variables. Um, and then uh, you and the commie uh, were running low power variables. We had one other guy too. Okay, cool. And, and then- uh, We had an ACOG in there. And an ACOG in there as well. Um, so yeah, so you know, the equipment, you know, was definitely not anything that was like cheating <laughs> in any way, shape or form. Um, it was actually stuff you'd grab and, and go to a gunfight with. Um, Let's, if you don't mind, run through basically what we did, just what the progression of the night was as far as distances and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so we started at 100. Um, this was more a confidence-building event. Um, you know, normally we're not 
doing long, you know, intermediate distance type stuff. Yeah. We tend to play within 50 yards for most training events when we're using rifles. Uh, so we started at 100. Um, it was, you know, basically up drills. So, you know, snap up, make the shot, um, do that five times um, standing up. Then we did that five times from a kneeling position um, and then five times from a rice paddy prone position or a squatting position. Um, then we backed it up to 150, did the same thing. You know, went back to 200, did basically the same thing. Uh, I think we went to 225 and did kneeling and rice paddy. Went to 250, um, ran all three positions. And then went to 300 and ran all three positions and then finished with a couple shots from the prone just to make sure that everybody ended the training event with a hit. Yeah, also at 200 yards we did a round of three or four or five from sitting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, from the 200 yard line. Um, I, if, if I had to throw out, well, throwing out the biggest takeaway of this night, um, honestly, the, it, it was some guys it just, just at very, very first had to get used to getting in those positions, um, whether it was kneeling or, or squatting down, you know, what we call rice paddy prone or whatever. Um, some of the guys had to get used to those positions, maybe get warmed up a little bit, maybe get muscles loose by doing a few squats, you know, a few reps, whatever. Um, the, the takeaway from almost every single person that shot this training night was that finding solid, natural body position with good alignment to the target was absolutely the key, almost irrespective of distance, almost irrespective of platform that they were using, rifle or pistol, irrespective of optics or anything else. Almost everybody came around to the conclusion that if you didn't get your foot and your knee and your butt aligned with your heel in sitting or whatever position it was you were going to use, um, and understanding that there are some different body types out there. We've got a couple guys that are beat up. We've got some guys with some legitimate orthopedic issues. Getting into squatting a lot of work if you don't have ankle mobility. Um, getting into kneeling is a lot of work if you've got jacked up knees and you're really tall and long torsoed. Um, and we had some guys experiment with how to get in the right position, but it literally starts with ground contact. Where are your feet at? Where's that knee at? Um, where are you at in alignment to the target? Can you literally get in that position, bring the gun up with your eyes closed, open your eyes, and are you generally pointed pretty much at the target? And pretty much everybody came to the conclusion that if they weren't, they were probably going to struggle getting the sites where they needed them to be. Well, and keeping them there. And keeping them there. Yeah, absolutely. You get them there for a short period, but just fighting with that. Um, and so, you know, everybody kind of figured out where they needed to get that knee and that foot and their, whether they needed, you know, glute to heel contact or whether they needed to stretch out over their front knee and really hang their arm over their front knee to get in that stable um, shooting position. And, and just about everybody found some manner of groove through doing this and and the way we ran this was you know everybody got five shots from each position at each distance generally or a few less at longer distances um, but it was one at a time we went through like a conga line or we went down the line of shooters so it was it was an independent event each time so you got an opportunity to find the groove and then grease the groove a little bit getting into those positions and and you know when you talk about doing things um, you know, professionals do things until they can't get them wrong. And well, you're only going to do that through repetition. And this this night, because of the challenges of it, didn't seem like a lot of repetition. It seemed like a lot of good opportunities to get set up and be successful. Which was a lot of repetition. Exactly. Which was a basic lot. Basic yeah. rifle marksmanship positions. Yes. 
Um, you know, and there was, you know, some conversation, you know, between shooters and stuff like that, you know, how practical are some of these positions? How are, are you going to get into them or not? And, and uh, I'll, I'll bring that back around to the idea of you're lining up the sites, you're lining up your body, you're lining up your body parts um, and all those things, and then trying not to screw it up by pulling the trigger. It's always going to be good practice. And even if the position may not be terribly practical, the idea behind getting into a position that your body already knows, um, a la our most recent newsletter, um, your, your body's probably not going to go where the brain's not gone before. So if you thought about it and then worked it, well, if you, now if your body's gone there too, a number of times, it'll get there quicker, much more easily, much more efficiently. Um, we talk a lot about efficiencies. I think, I think we gained a, a lot of folks gained a lot of efficiencies by doing those reps and finding out what works for them exactly. And then, and then practicing it and getting some utilization at further distances we went out which just gave everybody that much more confidence in what they were able to do. Yeah, I mean, if we didn't we didn't run a timer, um, but the the focus was to do things with the sense of urgency, and the the shots at three hundred yards didn't take a whole lot longer than the shots at two hundred yards. True, which honestly didn't take a whole lot longer than the shots at hundred yards. Yeah, yeah. If everybody if everybody moved with <laughs> alacrity to get into the position shooting the gun for most of these guys is is not a big deal um you know one of one of our one of our tribe commented at the end of the night that you know that wow if i was ever going to have to get into a fight it would be nice to have you know anybody from this group of guys with us um everybody shot well but what everybody whether they started off getting in position well or not figured it out by the end of the night um, and, and i think to me that that was the success of that particular training event um was that Everybody figured it out. Everybody figured it out. Some guys had it, but most guys, if they didn't, figured it out. So it was pretty cool. Good stuff. Um, I, when we talked about some of the other things you guys struggled with, um, almost no one in our group had equipment issues. Everybody has really squared away kit. Um, we do have guys with some home-built rifles. You know, I have, a, I have basically a home-built pistol. Granted, it's made from premium components. Um, you do. Um, and we had some guys with some guns that, that were brand names that, you know, that we're not super comfortable with. Um, but, you know, there were a little bit older guns that were tried and true. Um, I didn't see anybody have really any equipment issues on the night that, that would make me say, hey, you know, here's a reminder, stay away from XYZ brand. Um, the optics on the line were all quality optics for the guys that were running them. Um, so, I don't, so really as far as equipment goes, saying, you know, hey, avoid this or avoid that or pick this up or pick that up. Um, and based on the fact that uh, um, Goodhair was just slaying it with the irons, um, yeah. you know, I, I, it was it was it was it was a good time. I'd say about time. half our group was suppressed, and the other half was really loud because they were running <laughs> obnoxiously painful breaks when you were next to them. Yeah, yeah, um, but you know, they weren't the victim of it. It was the guy next to him. So don't don't be the guy next to him, I guess, because I suffered through that a little bit as well. Um, along with the suppressors, didn't notice anybody futzing with cans. Mm. Didn't notice anybody who couldn't figure out where they were going. Um, you know, because hey, my can change my point of aim or point of impact kind of deals. Um, I, I think you know, again, that's a function of this this tribe, is that everybody's got their poop in a group and, and knows what mm. their equipment's doing. And it was a it was a really good testament that you know there were a couple of guys who got there and said, hey, I want to go confirm, and literally fired a couple of rounds and said, okay, I'm good to go you know, at 50 before we ever got over to the 100. Um, 
and went back from there. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll say it again. Um, repetitions, getting into good body position makes the shot with a rifle. Repetitions of good body position, good body alignment with the target, and then getting into those positions lets you settle in and actually use your sights and not fight them. Um, that, that, was, that was the takeaway for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is essentially applied basic rifle marksmanship. Yes. Uh, as opposed to, you know, trying to do a little bit more of a field position. We had really yeah. tall grass, so prone for most places was, was not an option because yeah. we would just be shooting into the weeds. Yeah. Um, which meant, you know, standing, kneeling, um, that squatting or rice body prone, um, sitting, we were up on a little bit of a rise where that was not option. Yeah. Um, and these are all, you know, if you look at micro terrain in a suburban or urban environment or, you know, semi-rural environment, um, these are all realistic, you know, unsupported positions that you may need to employ. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at a 300-yard shot, everybody made their hit standing. Everybody made their hits kneeling. Prone's, prone's easy. Um, and the reality check is if you, you know, you go out in the field and hunt, um, you don't see very many guys hunting with tactical or bench bipods because of micro terrain, because of weeds in front of you, because grass is taller than your bipod, um, because of a curb, because of things of that nature. Um, so, you know, this was, this was geared toward being practical and, and not precision. And it, it works. It works. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Fundamentals yeah. work. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew fundamentals work? So, good stuff. Uh, you know, we get asked a lot, you know, training, where do I learn this kind of stuff? Uh, honestly, to the probably the best places to learn um, basic rifle marksmanship would be an Appleseed shoot. Yes. Uh, I think if you Google Project Appleseed, yes. uh, kind of like Johnny Appleseed, uh, that is a an organization that is devoted to teaching uh, rifle fundamentals um, they do a really good job at it you don't need anything fancy um, I think you can probably do it with a 22 yeah most most apple seeds you can run with a 22 in fact it might even be encouraged that you run it with a 22 yep uh, and that that's an, just an opportunity to learn you know that basic rifle marksmanship uh, and get really good at the fundamentals of riflery Yes. Um, beyond that, if you have an opportunity to do Pat McNamara's um, TAPS class where he's doing the rifle side of things, um, Pat Mac does an excellent um, basic rifle marksmanship component um, to his instruction, uh, covers all the positions, covers all the body mechanics type stuff, uh, and gives you a lot of opportunities to practice it. Yes. Um, trying to think who else does BRM type stuff. Uh, DeFore. Yeah, Kyle DeFore. DeFore Performance does a really good um, basic how to shoot a rifle class well and quickly with a sense of urgency class. Um, and these are guys that are going to make you go out, you know, 100, 200 yards if they got the range. Yeah. Yeah, do some work. So. Um, do you want to talk about the gear? Sure. We, we'll break down our pistols. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, do you want to go first? Sure. So the the uh, pistol, I say that with air quotes, but you can't see them. The pistol that I was running um, is is a bit of a mutt. I've got a BCM blimmed lower um, that's that's plain Jane. I have a, the PNT trigger that came in it, um, and I and and uh, and it's got a, a SBA3 arm brace on it. 
um, that worked just fine. Um, moving from the back to the front of the gun. Uh, the SBA3 brace at the end of the night was a little wrinkled up. You could tell it had been pulled into the shoulder pretty tight quite a few times. Um, so the SBA3 um, versus the SBA4 um, might be something to consider from a little more rigidity, especially if you're looking at using the gun at a little, you know, a little more of its distance capabilities. Um, but mine set up with an SBA3, even though it, it's a little soft, it worked just fine. Had no issues making hits. Uh, going forward to the PNT trigger. Um, the PNT trigger was just enough um, to do those kinds of things. Better than mil spec. It's not a Geisley. Um, it's not a Larue. Um, you know, and and I don't and we don't really push the competition or gaming triggers. You know, here um, because of reliability issues. Um, so the PNT was just fine. I did notice that as the gun started to get dirty, um, the trigger started to get a little creepy. You could tell it needs some. It needs some love. It needs some cleaning. Um, by the way, I don't think that gun's been cleaned in about 2,000 rounds and I run it suppressed. So, you know, in all fairness, let's not pick on the PNT too much. Um, going to the front end of that gun, um, I've got a Bravo Company MCMR Keymod Rail 11.5 inch barrel that is a Spikes Tactical branded FN manufactured Hammer Forge Chrome Line pencil profile barrel um, that, that shoots better than I do, which probably isn't saying much, but it's still pretty cool. Um, Front end of the gun, um, I've got a Gemtech uh, GMT Halo, Titanium Halo. Um, it is a great can from a from a perspective of being able to throw it on any gun with an A1 or A2 flash hider or a blank firing adapter groove um, and a 22 millimeter muzzle device with a BFA groove, you know, 1.4 inches back. Um, I don't notice that the point of impact shift change on that with that suppressor on and off the gun is significant at 100 yards. It's three inches, but it's usually droop. It's usually straight below the gun if you line the collar up properly. Um, so I, I don't think I had any issues with it changing my point of aim, point of impact. And I do take it on and off the gun on a fairly regular basis. Um, as far as uh, visual aspect goes, I'm running a Trigicon MRO. Um, the MRO, anybody who tells you that red dot sights don't have parallax is, is either misinformed or flat out lying. Um, the MRO, if you are not if you don't have the dot in the middle of the glass beyond about 100 or 150 yards, you will find out what parallax means. Um, it'll educate you. Having said that, if I could get in good body position and get the dot in the middle of the optic, zero problems making those hits. Um, last little widget. Uh, I run a Bravo Company um, kinesthetic angled grip um, on my pistol. Um, it allows me to get my hand in a consistent position out on the front end of the gun and drive the gun back into the shoulder. Um, shooting from, say, 200 yards and in where you can afford to horse the gun and not necessarily get, you know, you know that kind of bone-on-bone -bone or muscle-on-muscle -muscle position contact um, really allows you to pull the gun in tight. That's a device that I've come to like the more I use the gun. Um, so that's how my gun is set up, and it, and it worked with zero issues even stupid dirty and and honestly maybe a little neglected at this point so yeah yeah i'm running a fairly similar setup uh, i've got an a aero precision m4 e1 lower um that's got a law tactical folding adapter on it um uh, and then an sb a3 uh, chris has got a law folding adapter on his pistol too yes sir uh, and we found that the law folding adapter with the pistol really adds that extra bit of length of pull that makes the pistol feel a lot more like a rifle not that we would ever think about putting you know things together like an SBR without the proper paperwork you 
Um, no. But yeah, the law the law folder really does make a difference with the pistol braces um, and and getting the stretch out just a little bit more. Uh, I'm running right now. I've got one of the Larue triggers um, in that, just kind of as a testing comparison thing with the Geisleys. Um, I think I still like the Geisley SSA a good bit more. Uh, it's just it feel the the SSA feels more like my Glock trigger, um, so I have an, a more consistent trigger between my rifle or AR pistol and my concealed carry pistol, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, with the SSA, and then on the the top end of that gun. Uh, I'm running right now an 11.3 inch ballistic advantage barrel um, inside a Bravo Company um, MCMR um, M-Lock rail. Um, I had a Gemtech the one um, suppressor on a Gemtech muzzle brake, and then a Trigicon one to eight AccuPower on top of it. Uh, I ran pretty much the whole night at 3x. Um, the last two shots from prone at 300 I dialed it up but you know started standing at 3x dropped down to prone cranked the magnification over uh, I found with the 3x magnification I think my follow-up shots if I made a miss were a good bit quicker than okay. the guys with the red dots yeah agreed um, yeah having that that just enough magnification but not too much was pretty critical in balancing you know, how much can I see versus how much wobble do I notice? Yeah. Um, too yeah. much magnification, you know, from field expedient positions means that dot or the, the, the reticle is kind of bouncing all over the place. Yeah. Um, so a little bit less magnification than maybe you're thinking you want actually works out to be a lot more confidence inspiring when you're needing to make the shot. Yeah, just a side note, the dot's doing the same thing all the time. Um, it's still bouncing around like crazy. You just can't see it. So it's a mental thing. It's a confidence thing. Um, you know, guys that shoot long distance with rifles, guys that shoot, you know, national match stuff at Camp Perry, the, the phrase is accept your wobble. Um, don't try and time the trigger break, accept your wobble, and, and let it break when it's going to break. 3X, one of the reasons I have a 3X ACOG, I wasn't running it that night, uh, but I have a 3X ACOG. One of the reasons I love the 3X ACOG is it's just enough. One of the reasons I like 3 and 4X magnifiers is they're just enough. And the low power variable gives you everything from the dot to 8 power, in your case, or 6 power or whatever. Eight, yeah. But it also gives you the option to choose in the middle of that range whatever's just enough to do what you need to do. So, yeah, sorry, a little side note. Um, yeah. Yeah, having that magnification, though, once we got past... <clears throat> I, once we got two or past 200, I think it. there's definitely some speed advantages to running the low power variable over the red dot. For sure, for sure. Um, one last note, uh, one of our tribe was running a Gemtech hybrid, uh, or pardon me, a Silencer Co. hybrid with a 30 caliber end cap, but on a 5.56 pistol, um, ridiculously quiet even compared to your can you're you're the one and maybe that's my hearing maybe that's the tonal quality yeah. um but i i one of those just interesting observations my halo is by far and away not the quietest can ever but it's lightweight and versatile um 
Could have been that, somebody was touching off a PWS muzzle brake right before. Maybe, maybe that could have been it. I don't know, because um, that PWS is nasty. Uh, it works, but it's nasty. It's, it's a loudener. Um, but I did notice that that your can was quiet, and then and then like I said, that that hybrid was ridiculously quiet, even with a five five six gun. Um, just a something that stuck out in my mind as an equipment conversation. Um, one of the guys running iron sights, straight up M four carbine gun. 16-inch barrel, carbine-link gas system, standard, yeah, standard carry handle, um, and just flipping slayed it. Um, mentioned before, not the not the youngest guy in the group by any stretch of the imagination, but also somebody who has maintained his health, his mobility, and his ability to get in and out of positions like squatting and kneeling. Has good ankle mobility, I would say, good knee and hip mobility, and was able to get into those positions. And you could tell maybe had some experience working out of those positions, you know, back in a different time. Um, very, very consistent with getting in those positions. And even with iron sights on a carbine, just slayed it. And I think that's a lot to do with it. Yeah, and he's got good eyesight. So yeah. he, can, he can crisply see his front sight post. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of, you know, rifles and irons gets back to that conversation we've had yeah. with iron sights and pistols versus red dots on pistols yeah you know if your vision is such that you can't very crisply see that front sight uh, it's time to go to a dot or a low power variable on the rifle yep 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 good vision and good hair god love him so cool yeah any other takeaways um no no but i'll say one more time body position you know natural body alignment natural body position um you know if you're practicing at dry fire at home practice getting into a kneeling position um you know looking at the target close your eyes bring the gun up look at the sights open your eyes and kind of see what's going on and if you're not lined up on the target or pretty daggone close adjust and practice finding that natural body position that natural point of aim because um, the further you out you get the more you'll struggle with it the prs guys are probably laughing at us right now going freaking novices because um, they know this stuff but but it, it it truly does matter and this was a great reminder of practice those positions getting into them and and being lined up with the target as you start so yeah let's say if you don't have access to you know a 300 yard range and you want to work on you know how do i keep myself accountable doing brm type stuff um the four position 200 point aggregate drill which is shot at 50 yards that um, was a great way to do it so five rounds standing five rounds kneeling uh, five rounds rice paddy prone or sitting, five rounds proned out on a B8 target at 50 yards. Um, with that, you know, you're looking to score 190 or above, I think is a saying that you're accountable. So Is that a timed? That is not a timed okay, event. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, you can do the same thing for time. Um, try to do it. If you're doing it timed, you want to be under 50 seconds um, and still score probably 190 or above. Oh, so that's everything in the ninth or one ninety is like you've put at least half your rounds in the ten ring and everything else is in the nine ring or above on a B eight at fifty yards. Yeah. So from a, and that's from a mathematical perspective, gonna uh, maybe even be a little tighter than the target we were shooting at three hundred. For sure, for sure. The target, the the a full size IDPA or Ipsic silhouette is a big flipping target. Um, yeah, I know. A, Six MOAs wide by eight MOAs tall at 300. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know every time I missed, I felt like a heel. Um, but having said that, you know, that's the way life rolls sometimes. So, cool. Cool. 
yeah thanks for joining us uh, stop in and see us cap city outfitters 4465 cemetery road in the hilliards